When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by WorldwideGolfShops.com. Be sure to go out to WorldwideGolfShops.com for all of your equipment, apparel, and accessory needs. They've even got training aids. They've got all the great stuff from all the brands that you hear on our podcast every week. So once again, that is WorldwideGolfShops.com. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. This is your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all over social media at Golf Unfiltered. Send me an email, adam at golfunfiltered.com. Folks, I want to say hello, of course, to our friends over at the Hackers Paradise. If you're listening to this on the THP mobile app, or if you're listening to this anywhere that you could find podcasts, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the places. And of course, hello to our friends over at Cleveland, Strixon, and Zexio. Today, folks, I welcome on uh, Mr. Stuart Goldstein. He is the uh, managing director over at RG Narrative. He is just a great mind, not only in the golf industry, but in many different industries. And he and I sit down to talk a lot about the different ways that, uh, especially golf, is dealing with COVID. Uh, He has a lot of thoughts on where things may end up post-COVID and even during And, you know, he's just a great guy to talk to about this type of stuff because he works with a lot of different brands, many brands that you know, Stitch Golf, uh, many others, for example. And, you know, Stuart goes into a lot of depth on not only where he feels golf will go, where the equipment industry will go, apparel, all that, but also just, you know, golf in general. And so Stuart and I really have a great conversation, and I hope you'll enjoy it too. Uh, Just a quick shout out, of course, if you're not aware, uh, Golf Unfiltered is part of the Hackers Paradise podcast network. It is a growing network, and uh, I want you to go out and, of course, listen to Off Course, hosted by... Uh, Dan Edwards and Rob Miller, two uh, friends of mine, they are great together on that podcast. And of course, Dan also hosts Range Days, which is a third podcast on the network. Be sure to check that out, too. It's it's just a great way to, uh, you know, maybe listen to a little something while you're working from home. Or if you're on the course practicing, because I know a lot of places are opening up. I know driving ranges are opening up soon, at least in Illinois. I get to play golf uh, this coming weekend in a foursome. God, I I won't take that for granted anymore. Although I I did enjoy walking in a twosome, and we touch on that in today's conversation as well. So uh, we'll be right back after a quick word from one of our uh, sponsors with Mr. Stuart Goldstein from RG Narrative. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. No big hype, no big price, but definitely a big deal. Take advantage of their factory direct model where you cut out the middleman and get the best products shipped to your door direct from the company. They've got a demo program to try out their products before you buy, a trade-up program to get these clubs in your hands even quicker, 
and special financing where you can split your payment into four to make these clubs even more affordable. Go to BenHoganGolf.com to learn more. That's right, folks. Welcome back to the show. I'm happy to welcome on the podcast today, uh, Mr. Stuart Goldstein. He is the managing director director over at RG Narrative. Stuart, uh, thanks so much for coming on. I know uh, it's been a crazy time in the golf industry. We're going to talk a little bit about it. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Adam. And uh, always a pleasure to chat with you. So you and I had the opportunity to meet for the first time face-to-face. We've corresponded, of course, many times before, but we were able to finally shake hands. Uh, remember when shaking hands was a thing? <laughs> yep, that's it. Now uh, now it's just, what, elbow bumps or whatever it is now? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, you work with a lot of different brands over at RG Narrative. You help them out with PR. You help them out with getting the word out on their new products. But why don't you let our listeners know a little bit more about what it is that you do as the managing director? Sure. So what we do at RG Narrative, we are essentially uh, storytellers and news generators for a variety of brands, whether uh, there are people in the golf industry like Stitch Golf. I know you had Brad King on recently mm-hmm. uh, to people in the financial services sector, insurance companies, a, a wide variety of audiences, uh, companies that we deal with. And so you work with many industries, not just golf. Right. We uh, we, we do golf. Uh, it's more of a passion, uh, passion thing. Uh, uh, I've been playing golf for 45 years, always enjoy it, love it and love the business end of it. And uh, as you know, golf is a, is a great sport and a, it's a tough business. Yeah, it certainly is. And they've yeah. been faced with a, uh, a tough uh, hand that they were dealt recently with COVID. And I know that that's been all the talk of the town uh, as of late, talk of the world, really. Yeah. Uh, what are you seeing on your end as far as, you know, the brands that you help support and even just your own personal experience? Well, it, they've been hit pretty hard. And a lot of it has to do with the timing. You know, beginning here, February, March, when the, the clock is turning around, people are getting ready to play golf. The Masters is right around the corner. Uh, the OEMs are getting their new products out, and all of a sudden they, they kick, get hit over the head. Yeah. And so it really came to uh, a halt, uh, unfortunately, for, for a lot of uh, a lot of good employees were furloughed, lost their jobs. Uh, the industry got cut back. and But now with... Uh, the country coming back to life a little bit here. You're starting to see some uh, increase in uh, in in playing. Uh, you know, National Golf Foundation. We spoke a little bit off the air. National Golf Foundation came out with a great study. Ninety uh, percent of golf courses are now open. Ninety-seven percent of golf courses are now open. You know, eighty percent of retail shops are now open. So you're starting to see things open up a bit. Which is going to help the not only the economy but certainly the industry itself a great deal. And you know, it's interesting you mentioned the uh, the timing, especially when it comes to brands releasing new equipment. It's it's interesting because the ones I've spoken to certainly they've been hit. I mean, I think that's the obvious thing. But they also said, you know, we're still pretty much pretty much on on our timelines with new products that are coming out, which is really encouraging to hear. It's encouraging to hear. Uh... I wonder if that's just a company line or I'm curious to see what really happens. You know, if you're an OEM and you come out with a five, $600 driver at the beginning of this year and it's just sitting on the shelves, you know, are the consumers going to be that eager to pick up a new one five months down the road when the mm-hmm. old ones really haven't been pushed through the system yet? Uh, I really don't know. That's a really good point. And, you know, do you see and are you hearing and already maybe having conversations about, concern about consumer behavior changing like you just uh, referenced? Well, 
you speak to people within the industry and it's hard to not take note that, you know, 40 million people are unemployed now. Uh, many people have reduction in salaries, discretional income is down. So it, it, it's hard to, in that scenario, to say, yeah, I'm going to go out and spend $500 on a new driver when, you know, I got other things, more important things to, to deal with. Uh, National Golf, Golf Foundation, you know, their new study came out uh, and they said, you know, 97% of courses are open, 80% pro shops are open, et cetera. And they're seeing uh, increased demand, more play right now. Now, whether that will translate into more discretional spending in terms of equipment, we shall see. Yeah, I'd imagine that people are going to have to definitely be much more stringent and strategic with what they uh, spend their money on, especially in the golf industry. I mean, I know a lot of talk leading up to this point was this could be the year of the golf ball, for example, uh, even prior to COVID, just as an example of a uh, product type that was really getting a lot of hype. And I would imagine that because of the, you know, comparatively speaking, low cost nature of golf balls compared to like a driver or irons, that might even be more true now. I mean, would you agree? Sure. And, you know, you need balls to play and balls are, you know, whether, whether you buy the high end balls at 40 something dollars a dozen or, you know, something cheaper, you still need balls to play. So balls are kind of a, a staple that will be there. Uh, I think another part that's really going to get hit hard are the, you know, travel destinations, places to go, buddy trips. I mean, yeah. people are going to be really leery now to, to jump on a plane and go play golf someplace for, you know, three, four or five days a weekend. Yeah. And I'd imagine that even just the availability of rooms, I know that we were talking off air a little bit, you know, uh, certainly not a travel comment here, but even just a, I guess the antsiness of people wanting to get out and do things. Yeah. We're playing golf uh, as a foursome for the first time in Illinois on Saturday at the time of this recording tomorrow, Friday, restaurant patios open up and I can tell you they're going to be packed. And so it's yeah. almost like people really want to get out there the, the virus is still there, but people kind of want to get out back to their, their normal lives. And to your point about, you know, buddy trips and whatnot, I wonder how much of that balance comes into play too. Yeah, I think uh, that's going to take a backseat. Uh, you know, we just started here in New Jersey, started opening up foursomes uh, this week or last week. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, it was twosomes spaced every 20 minutes. So you're talking about six people going out an hour. So there was real pent up demand. And the supply wasn't there. Now that the supply is starting to to ease up a little bit, and you're starting to uh, golfers are now being able to are, are now being able to play a lot more than they have been, you know, a week ago. Yeah, I think you know the National Golf Foundation that you've been citing. I, yeah. I don't have it in front of me, but I also saw that they they had stats on new golfers yeah. coming in. You know, uh, beginner sets being sold at a record mm -hmm. pace. I saw. I mean, that's got to be encouraging too. Yeah, beginner sets. They're seeing a lot of new faces, uh, which is encouraging. But uh, I would not jump on that so fast because mm. once other forms of activities start to open up, will this increase in golf continue? For instance, men's softball leagues, once they start to come in, you know, tennis leagues, youth sports, you know, travel soccer, lacrosse, swimming, etc. cetera. Uh, once those start to come online, Will you still get to see new faces on the golf course or will those new faces say, well, listen, I got to go back to my kids lacrosse game or my softball league is starting up again. So golf is going back to the back burner. That's a really good point with the brands that you 
currently work with, and I'm sure mm -hmm. you've worked with many for many years, are, are those types of conversations being had? Are they seeing an influx, at least in, in new customers that perhaps they've not seen before? And how are they kind of working into their strategy, how to keep them on the hook? Yeah, right, well, right now they haven't seen, at least the ones I deal with, a lot of the newer come to market, you know, customers coming in. Mm -hmm. golfers coming in that are trying out trying on a sport and the ones that are if you're you know whatever your demographic is and you're trying golf for the first time you're probably going to start out with a lower end price point when it comes to apparel equipment you know you're not going to go out and buy pxg equipment right off mm -hmm. the bat right so uh their 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 major concern is their ongoing pro shops their bread and butter and what they're going to be able to put through the system in terms of what they have in inventory and what they have coming down the road. So apparel is an interesting demographic too, or genre within the industry. Sure. Uh, how are we anticipating apparel is going to be impacted as more people not only get involved in the game, perhaps not stay around like you just mentioned, but they have to adjust too, because there's a lot of people still not getting out to the course. Yeah. But the interesting thing about apparel, golf apparel, is that over the years, the industry has changed from golf apparel to apparel that you wear at a golf course, you get done, you put a comb through your hair, then you go out. Mm -hmm. or, or you wear a, a golf polo to the office. So it's, it's a little bit golf recession-proof in a sense that you could use it for other forms of lifestyle. That is very true. I know they do that all the way from, like you mentioned, polos down to the shoes even. You can wear those. Exactly. At the gym, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, you wear khakis now. You wear quarter zips to the office. You wear them where you go out. You know, uh, out on the town. So, people buy a lot of golf apparel, not just for golf, but for everyday wear. You know, one of the places, of course, uh, that we get to see all the new stuff all the time is the PGA Merchandise Show. And yeah. I know one of the lingering questions out there. And I know that you've heard some some feedback that I don't know if you're comfortable sharing or not. Uh, regarding a potential 2021 PGA show. I mean, what are your thoughts on whether or not that's going to happen? That's a, it's a real hot topic. And the company line from Reed Expo, who runs the show, is mm -hmm. that right, as of uh, a couple of days ago, they're planning to have the show go on as planned. However, they're looking at, quote, alternative scenarios, unquote. Huh. It tells me they really have no idea what they're doing yet. Uh, <laughs> Because, you know, you've been to the show. You've yep. seen the extravagance of some of these booths. It's basically June 1st already. The show's in January, six months away. You know, you just can't call these brands in, in December and say, listen, we're having a show in, in January. We'll see you. So it's uh, they're going to have to make a decision soon as to what they're going to do, whether that's expanding the demo day, uh, reducing the number of booths. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. The brands I've spoken to, they've gotten very little feedback from Reed Expo in terms of hmm. uh, what's going to happen to the uh, show. You know, the August show in Vegas, that's been that's been canceled and they're going right. to do it virtually. But, you know, that's a that's an interesting thing, too, because uh, budget season is pretty much over. I'd imagine that a lot of folks have already had to, you know, cut many things at these brands. Right. I know that, you know, even in my day job, we had to do that. Sure. So I'm sure even if they did hold a show, a lot of that budget's already been cut, wouldn't you say? Well, you got budget's been cut. You've coming off a year in which your revenues are going to be down. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Callaway's a publicly traded company. They've come out and they've stated where, you know, revenues are going to be down. And, you know, for a booth like Callaway, you've seen it. That's a, you know, that's a seven figure proposition. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so what, but I think the bigger picture here, Adam, is do you have the show not only from a health point of view, because that is what it is, you know, the, yeah. the governor of Florida or whatever, whoever deems says, yes, we're good to go, social distancing, wear your mask, whatever. But, you know, the, also to have 40,000 people social distancing in that hall, that's going to be tough. Yeah. So I think the bigger issue is whether or not these brands will be able to stomach financially having to go down to Florida and set up an exhibit at the PGA show, knowing like we talked about earlier that they have a lot, still have a lot of uh, old inventory and what are they going to do with new products? So it's, it's a really interesting dynamic. Yeah. The logistical nightmare that that just presents is, well, it's a nightmare. I mean, I I couldn't imagine people getting into that, that convention center and doing like what you just mentioned. Yeah, we're going to take everyone's temperature as they try to cram yeah. in there at eight thirty in the morning. It's 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 going to be tough. <laughs> I've seen a few of the people there. I'm not getting anywhere near them anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. And maybe you might be better off doing it virtually. But that's right. That's yeah. right. You know, but, and I, but, I, I, but what I think it really hurts also is the uh, you've been to the show. Is mm-hmm. there were a lot of smaller booths there? I don't want to call them right. mom and pops, but a lot of mom and pop type booths there that uh, uh and you know i think they're going to be affected more than if the you know the callaways of the world yeah i mean that's their one opportunity to get in front of so many eyeballs and that might not be there now exactly yeah you know and i think even leading into this year obviously this is a special circumstance that's that's very obvious but you know i think that the show itself kind of started to shift a little bit wouldn't you say? I mean, I think the, yep. we already saw some of the big, some big OEMs, TaylorMade, a few others, just stop going. Exactly. It's uh, you speak to uh, a lot of the brands, a lot of the big uh, OEM on the equipment side. Uh, they write very little business at the show. You know, the show's in January. All their major customers have already seen the product line months before. So for them, it's more of a brand exposure to be there. Whereas a lot of other brands, uh, some in the apparel, some others, they write a lot of business at the show and they use that show as a revenue generator. So, but like you said, you know, Nike's out of the golf equipment business. TaylorMade is not going back anymore. I think Hama last year was only at the driving range at the right. demo day. They weren't inside, you know, Mizuno's been back and forth a little bit. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough business now. You know, and not only from the, golf equipment and apparel and accessory side. I mean, we also have to talk a lot about just professional golf and even amateur golf, especially in the case of the U S open. I know that, you know, we just heard that the sectional uh, qualifiers are canceled. It's going to basically be an invitational. Is that right? Yeah. All the local and sectional qualifiers have been canceled. Uh, The field will be reduced from what I understand from 156 golfers to 144 because Mm -hmm. it's later in the year, they have less daylight. So now you have, you know, what do you have? Five thousand people, six thousand people, whatever else, try and qualify for the, for the Open. A large yeah. number. Now you're going to have a a team of USGA officials pick 144 players, and it's uh, not an easy task. Uh, and you know, it's like the NCAA to basketball tournament. Someone who deserves to get in is going to be on the outside looking in. 
Yeah, the, I would not want to have that job. There's no way that they do this and not get just raked over the coal. Somebody's going to get left out. Right. And then, you know, because you have to have amateurs in it because it's the open. So what professional is going to get knocked out because you have the, you know, the U.S. amateur in, uh, champion in there or the defending NCAA individual who's deserving of a spot going to be in there. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they pick the spots uh, and select the tournament. But at the end of the day, it's going to be the U.S. Open. It's going to be a great event. Yeah, it usually always is, isn't it? You yeah, know, they'll probably make it as hard as they can, just like every other year. Yeah, well, Winkfoot, it's uh, they don't have to do too much to to make it that difficult. That's uh, true. And, they, and and you'll have people bitch and complain how uh, you know it's a U.S. Open, inv- it's not an invitational anymore. It's just a, you know, well, it's a U.S. Open invitational. It's not yeah. the US, obviously an invitational, but on the other hand, you know the British Open or the Open Championship was canceled altogether. Mm-hmm. So you know, what would you rather have, an invitational or no tournament at all? And I think the answer is pretty obvious. I agree with you. And then just a few months later, we're going to have the Masters in November. It's probably going to be pretty interesting to see, uh, you know, the fall colors at Augusta as opposed to the azaleas in full bloom. Yeah, it should be great. And, of course, uh, what they do with the agronomy there at the course. So the course will be in great shape no matter what the weather conditions are. I know one of the things I'm uh, to kind of jump back to the uh, sure. the industry side a little or the apparel side a little bit. I know a lot of these brands had all of their scripting figured out already. I know I saw a lot of previews for the upcoming majors. I'd imagine that those things got thrown for a loop too. Yeah, exactly. You know the the uh, the white pants and whatever for the for the masters. That's going to probably have to get changed and mm-hmm. break out the quarter zips and uh, you know the outerwear. So that uh, they'll have to adjust, but. Uh, it's curious also how all these uh, uh, players and their endorsement contracts, how that's being affected now too because of, you know, the guys are on TV, they're not playing. And, uh, you know, the only TV that we've really seen, golf, it has been the, you know, the match that was last week. And prior to that was the, uh, the TaylorMade yep. down at Seminole. Yeah, driving relief was uh, interesting. Uh, what was your takeaway on that? Obviously, we had heard about the match two for a long time, and then suddenly driving relief pops up. And uh, did, I got the impression they kind of wanted to be first. What, what was your takeaway on that? Well, yeah, obviously they wanted to be first because they played it first. <laughs> uh, and I think a lot of people tuned in, my opinion, is to really get a glimpse of Seminole. Which yeah. is a really special place. I've had the the, the the honor of playing there a couple of times. It's a special place. But as I watched that tournament or that match from from Seminole, you know, after a while, I got the sense that the players they really didn't want to be there. You yeah. know, yeah, the the banter, whatever banter there was, seemed forced. And uh, you know, yes, they carried their bags, which was you know cool. After about two holes, that kind of <laughs> a little tired. And I just thought that the match last week uh, with, with Tiger and Phil and Brady and Peyton Manning and having the the cameras in the carts and having them deal with the inclement weather and the alternate ball format on the back nine it was a, a lot more entertaining. I agree with you. I enjoyed the match too significantly more than driving relief. Um, yes. Do you see uh, there being more OEM-driven exhibition matches like this you know there can be but you know even you know callaway was a big sponsor of the match yeah even if it's oem sponsored which i'm fine with it all comes down to who are their participants now if you're putting in four people 
that are, you know, a tailor-made people or a Callaway people or whoever it is, and they don't have that charisma or they don't have the way to attract viewers to the TV, it really doesn't matter. But if you bring back a Phil and a Tiger and you bring in some other new people and you get the banter going and you get the general competition levels going, I think it's very entertaining. Yeah, I think uh, there's some chatter on social media about the potential of a match three without Tiger Woods. I don't see how that's possible. Do you? Uh, no, he you know he moves the needle. Now, Phil Mickelson is great because he loves to chat and having him take two minutes to discuss his chipping and you know helping his partner read putts and getting into the competition. He was wonderful. And Tiger's Tiger, and you know he was chatty a little bit, but. What was what I liked about Tiger in this in the match too was he didn't force the banter, you know, he didn't force the the challenges. Whereas the match one from Vegas the last year or two years yep. ago, to me there was a lot of just a lot of forced conversation, a lot of forced chatter. Whereas this one there wasn't, you know, he helped Peyton out on a lot of, of the putt reading and and the, you know the air high fives, etc. <laughs> so uh, I thought it was great. Yeah, I think the best thing they did was what they omitted in the match too, which includes kind of like the side bet things. That was entirely forced in the first one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So as we continue to move on, and listeners, once again, we're talking to Stuart Goldstein. Um, Goldstein, he's uh, the managing director over at RG Narrative. You know, we learn a lot about the game when it's kind of taken away from us for a little bit. And now we're slowly getting back into it as courses continue to reopen more golfers at one time on a tee sheet. What are some of the takeaways that we have learned in the game from this experience? For example, just to kind of tee up a little bit. I love the fact for a little bit that I could get on a course, 15 minute tee times. I'm with a buddy, twosome. There's no one in front of me, no one behind me. I'm moving at my own pace. I'm not rushed in any way. I think it would be a mistake to get back to something where it's just a jam-packed golf course. There's got to be a middle ground. Yeah, there has to be a middle ground. And, and I agree with you. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had 20-minute tee times here in New Jersey in twosomes. So I'm teeing off on the first tee. The twosome in front of me is already done with their second hole. Wow. So I turned to my partner and I after we played the first hole, and I just – said, listen, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to be playing two, three balls a hole. He said, great idea. Me too. So in a matter of about two hours and 45 minutes, three hours, I wound up playing about 36 holes, 45 <laughs> holes, because we just played a couple balls. We kept the pace of play. The group behind us was, they were behind us. And the group in front of us, they were still two holes ahead of us. And it was a, a great afternoon. Now, the problem, the downside of that is you can't go out there and you play a, a four ball with your buddies. Right. So there has to be a, some sort of equal equilibrium there as to, mm-hmm. to what we could do in terms of spacing, in terms of, of groups. But, you know, most of the guys I've spoken to also love the idea of, you know, we'll just leave the flag stick in. Yeah. You know, all right, no rakes in the sand trap, no big deal. You just smooth out with your, your, your feet. But the pace of play is great, and uh, you know that's one thing a lot of people complain about the game of golf is pace of play. And so now, hopefully, something we've learned from COVID is that we can increase the pace of play and still get golfers out there. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I think uh, this will be my first. Well, I shouldn't say that. I've obviously played golf in a single cart before, Um, 
I've no, I don't think I've ever done it with single carts and a foursome. So we'll see if that works. Uh, I know that most golf courses don't have a very big fleet of golf carts that they can yeah. maintain that. But I wonder if that's something that we might see. Yeah, well, uh, where I play, we're, right now it's still walking only. And I like mm. to walk, so it's no big deal. But So where you are in Illinois is, is individual carts. But how often are, is, are the groups spread out? So it started walking only, twosomes only, 15-minute tee times. Now, as of Friday, it's going to be uh, – you can ride in a cart if you want, and it's going to okay. be 10-minute tee times. 10-minute tee times. Yeah, foursomes. So yeah, so 24 golfers an hour. Yeah. Not everyone will ride. X percentage will walk. So they'll turn the carts over. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. We actually have a mid-afternoon round, and one of my playing partners was like, you think they're going to have carts for us? I think they will. I think yeah. it'll be fine. Yeah. So yeah, because the, with individual carts as well, yeah, pace to play will be quicker too. Well, yeah, that's that's for sure. You know, I and I think if we can keep it going and if we don't revert back too much, and I know courses want the revenue, I know that, and I'm glad yeah. that driving ranges are opening up again. Uh, that's another thing that opens up for us on Friday. Um, the other thing about the other side of that whole thing is that we've not been able to go into pro shops for a long time. Yep. And that's going to be reopening, I understand, to a certain capacity. But do you think from a just an inventory standpoint that they're going to have to get creative with how they, they turn over pro shop merchandise? Yeah, uh, exactly right. And I'd be curious to see how they're going to do that. Uh, and, you know, and it's not just the, the pro shop. It's also the food and beverage. You know, they've been closed forever now, too. So are they going to come out with, with different menus, limited menus? Uh, are you allowed to go in, in or they are they going to come out and serve you on a tray, you know, with the gloves and, and all that? So curious to see how that happens. But in terms of the, on the equipment side, obviously, I believe the their inventory will, will be less. Uh, as you know, golfers love to tinker with equipment before they buy it, uh, whether it's, you know, trying out a new putter or a new driver. So they'll, they'll still have some. The apparel will, will probably be less of an inventory because, you know, for us here, it's already June. Before you know, it's going to be August, September, and season will be winding down. Yeah, that's very true. It almost seems like it's in a – it basically is an abbreviated season for a lot of us. And, you know, I've been posting scores. I know my buddies haven't been because yeah. of the Cups, but I think uh, at least in uh, the Chicago District Golf Association and I think all over, they've been allowing scores to be posted. So post your scores. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've been posting scores too, and where we play, we don't have raised cups, and I have a big issue with raised cups. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have the little noodles on the bottom, which causes some issues as well too. You know, you hit a putt, all of a sudden it hits the noodle and it bounces out. So, yep. Yep. do you do you is that a, a made putt or not? Uh, and that's uh, even a bigger issue with the raised cups. I never quite understood the raised cups. I always prefer the little noodle on the bottom. Yeah, raised cups seems like it's just complete prevention of ever having any chance of touching anything, which I think is overkill, at least for the spirit of the game, which I know there's bigger things in the world than the spirit of the game. But in this instance, a couple courses near me, we actually had the upside down cups where the ball's still able to fall in. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's essentially the same thing. You can just go down and pick it up. Not yeah. And, and the thing with the raised cups, I think it gives you a full sense of security. You, you could have a you know, a downhill sliding five foot putt with a raised cup. You just hit it as hard as you can. It hits the cup. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Did you see that video on social of whoever did like shot 58? No, I haven't. <laughs> but, um, yeah, exactly. So, and then what do you do? Do you post that score? 
I, I don't know. I would do it. Yeah, why not? But then you get that little little thing from the uh, mm -hmm. you know the gym that says you know this score is is exceeds your average, or so. Do you <laughs> yeah. still want to post it? Yeah, they send the they send the handicap cops over at you. Yeah, handicap police, exactly. That's right. Well, once again, folks, that's Mr. Stuart Goldstein. Uh, he's the managing director over at RG Narrative. Stuart, thanks so much for coming on. It's a great to uh, catch up with you. You're, everything's good on your end, healthy, everything? Everything's good. Kids are good. Wife is good. Everything's checking along. We're all hunkered down here and, uh, you know, looking forward to getting back out again. Awesome. I am too. And hopefully you and I can get on the course at some point in the future. And I uh, look forward to the day that we can uh, – meet over a, a drink again, maybe, yeah. maybe at the PGA show. I would look forward to that, Adam. It's always a pleasure speaking with you.